This coming up Parsha is the last Parsha in the book of Genesis, Vayichi, in the book of Bereshit. We're going to finish the book of Bereshit this week. We read there about Jacob's passing. As we mentioned a few times, it's not written about Jacob. It's not written that he died. It's written that he expired. Then um, let's read a little bit from inside and then we'll go. Source number one. Source number one, Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather, and I will tell you what will happen to you at the end of days. Gather and listen, sons of Jacob, and listen to your Israel, your father. It's almost poetry. That's in, the, in this parsha. Gather, and I will tell you what, the, what is happening. Okay, continue with source two. Open the door for him first. <laughs> Gather and listen. Why did he gather them? He said to himself, My grandfather Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael was wicked, and Isaac was righteous. Isaac also had two sons, Esau and myself. Esau hated the ways of God, and I loved God's ways. As for myself, I've been given twelve sons. Are half wicked and half righteous? His sons replied, We know what is in your heart. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. When Jacob heard that, he prostrated himself and began to recite, Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. It's a beautiful Medrash. Medrash says that Ab- and Jacob was born before he dies. He says the history of the family is not so, not so good. Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. One went in the Jewish way, the other one didn't. Jacob and Esau, one went the right way, one didn't. How I know? Maybe in my family is also F and F. And what they told them, he asked them, what, what's going on? What do you believe? They told them, we know what's in your heart. That's when your child tells you, I know what you believe. And I care for it. What, what, what do you believe? Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. That's, that's in tradition, not in the text. In the text, it's in the book of Deuteronomy. But in tradition, it's from Jacob already. Jacob said it. What he really said, Shema Israel, Jacob's name is Israel. Hear, O Israel, hear Israel, Jacob. Hear, hear what we have to tell you. God is our God, God is one. When he heard that, he bowed down and he started to say the second line, Baruch Shem Kevod Machuto Lo'olam Va'ed. That's why in the text, in the book of Deuteronomy, Baruch Shem Kevod Machuto, the second line is not appearing in the, in the book of Deuteronomy. It's only Shema Israel and Raidoi Vaafta. That's why it's written when the, when the rabbis were putting together the prayer of the Shema, they had a discussion should they put the Baruch Shem Kevod Machuto inside or not. And one and Jacob said it in this story. And the other end, it's not written in the Bible. That they chose to do it, to say it, or to say it in a Oshton. Say it quietly. That's why we say Baruch Shem Kevod Machuto in a lower tone. Undertone. That's the first appearance of that? That's the first appearance of it, yes. And this we know that the 12 sons were continuing in the father's tradition. They were all believing in God, they were all Jewish. Okay. Source 3, Hosea. Like grapes in the desert, I found Israel. What does this mean? Like, you know, when somebody goes in the desert and finds grapes, it's very, very precious. In a hot desert, you go and you, you're out and you're dying from thirst and you find grapes, you're very excited about it. Continue. 
Source 4. When God saw that all 12 tribes fulfilled Jacob's will, they were like grapes found in the desert. Don't read it Israel, but read it Ra'el. God saw, meaning that God saw that all their deeds were perfect. Okay, they say, it's what it says. When God was looking, when the Jewish people basically were going in the desert, he found them, like in a desert, that you find them the only, like grapes. They were the only one to believe in God. He was very excited about them. And that's what he says, the name Israel, the word Israel could be also read in this way, Ra'a, Reish Aleph, stands for the word Ra'a. If you would add the letter A, it would be Ra'a, God, Ebin So. El, the last two words is El, right? God saw, he saw where the Jewish people are. He found them. He saw that they are unique than everybody else. And that's really what the whole class is going about. Don't read it. You see the word? Don't read it, Israel, the regular meaning, but read it, Ra'el. So, God saw. And this, this is the whole discussion as we get, we're going to go, get into it. What does this mean? There is a, in Judaism, there is a the way of learning the Torah. There is many levels how you can learn the Torah, the Bible. One of them is reading in the world a deeper meaning, a different meaning. There is the simple, the, what's on the surface, and there is a goal deeper. One of the ways of learning deeper meanings in the Bible is to read the world a little different and finding in this what tradition tells us already. And Altikia means don't read it this way, just you, you twist it a little bit and you find a deeper meaning in this. That's one of the many ways to learn, learn the Torah. Because the Torah, because it's from God, there is, no matter how much you dig, you can, but it's not we making up, I start to say, let's read it this way. It's also a, a very, it's also comes from tradition how to read it. And there is many examples of it. And that's where we're going with that. Then we're going to learn first, we'll read from the book of Maimonides, how God gave the Torah, and what the written Torah and the oral tradition. Want to continue? The written Torah and the oral Torah, source five, Maimonides' introduction to the Mishnah Torah. The mitzvot given to Moses and Mount Sinai were all given together with their explanations, as implied by the verse, and I will give you the tablets of stone, the Torah, and the mitzvah. The Torah refers to the written law, the mitzvah to its explanation. God commanded us to fulfill the Torah according to the instructions of the mitzvah. The mitzvah is called the oral law. Moses personally transcribed the entire Torah before he died. He gave a Torah scroll to each tribe and placed another scroll in the ark as a testimonial as the verse states, take this Torah scroll and place it beside the ark and it will be there as a testimonial. The mitzvah, i.e. the explanation of the Torah, he did not transcribe. Instead, he commanded it verbally to the elders, to Joshua, and to the totality of Israel, as the verse states, be careful to observe everything that I prescribe for you, prescribe to you. For this reason, it is called the oral law. Even we explained it already a few times, it's important to review it. It's written, the written Torah, Moses wrote it. But if you read just the written Torah, you cannot really understand many, many things, how to observe it. The most famous example is the mitzvah of tefillin. It's written in the Shema, Ukshatam le'ot al yadecha. You should tie it as a sign on your hand and between your eyes. 
Or that's not written, what to tie? What to tie? How to tie? Will to tie? What, what exactly to do with that? Then you take the text, if let's say you were born by yourself, you're in a desert, an island, nobody's with you. A Bible, a Bible fell into your hand. You're reading it. You don't understand what to do with it. Then you must, an expl- you must, you need an explanation. When Moses came and told this paragraph of the Shema, they told them, they looked at them, to tie what? He had to tell them there is film left to make it. This is how you make it. You take a, a, a skin of an animal, you make it dry, you make the box, then you put, you, you have to write the Shema on parchment with ink and put it inside. He had to tell them what to do. If not, Anybody can come up with another idea. Can put a potato on your hand. What, what, what are you going to do with that? No matter what you do with it, is a commentary. You understand? That's not written in the text. And there is unlimited ex- examples for this. Even things that we think it's from the, written from the Torah, in the Torah, it's also not clear. Like the mitzvah of circumcision. The Torah says you have to circumcise every firstborn son by day day. But the Torah doesn't tell you what to circumcise. Which part in your body? It's not written in the text. We learn that from, basically it's a whole tradition. We all learned from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob what to, what to circumcise. Even how to read the Bible. If you read the Torah, the Torah does not have vows. The, there is no punctuation. How you know we're the beginning of the sentence and be the end of the sentences? Tradition. One person told the other, told the other. Then when Moses was teaching the old, that's all concluded in the old tradition. Yeah, the Moses had to give an explanation for every line in the Bible. Almost nothing is written in a way that you can actually go and, and practice it. You need an explanation how to do it and, where to, and when to do it. The mitzvah of shofar. That's not written clearly in the Bible to blow the shofar and Rosh Hashanah. You learn that it's written through here and through there. It's a whole thing. Nothing in the Bible is written clear. There are many things are not written completely, but even what's written in the Bible, without the commentary of Moses, that's called the old tradition. Moses purposely, God told them not to write the Torah clearly, to write it in a way that you must have a commentary. Many reasons for it. One of the reasons is because God wanted, you see, if the book is ready, you tell your child, I don't have time, you read the book night. I don't have time to read it. Why you didn't read the night? Because your parents thought you read it. Here's the book. You read it. But if you know that the book night is not written, and you have to tell your children the stories of the Holocaust, if not, they will not remember anything. They will. They, you 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 have a fellow responsibility. Then God wanted that the Torah should not be able to be understood on its own text, and every teacher will feel an holy obligation. To teach, his, to teach his students. Every parent will feel an obligation to teach children. That's the secret of Jewish, the Jewish power, of the, of the survival of the Jewish people. We are called by, in the Quran the people of the book. But really, we are people of tradition because the book without the tradition means nothing. Yeah? Can we say that the Torah is not complete without the Jews? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's a whole discussion. You're right, there is a discussion in that, in that's written when the, in the, the, there is a, who is more important, the Torah or the Jews? That was the question, basically, at, at, at Mount Sinai, the golden calf. What's more important? Should he break the tablet and save the Jews? 
or save their tablet, and maybe the God will annihilate the Jews. It's a whole story. We're not going to it. Mm-hmm. Basically, the bottom line was the Jewish people are more important because who is going to observe the Torah if not the Jews? For who you did it? For nobody. Then the, it's, it's us. It's about us. Then this is the whole idea of the, of the old tradition. Now, the old tradition has many layers how to learn every commentary, every, everything that we know from the commentary. The job of the Talmud is, to the Mudic rabbis, is to find everything that they know from oral tradition somehow entered in the Torah. Go ahead. Yes, please. <laughs> the existential principle of don't read it is one of the de- derivation, derivation rules of the Torah. Through the application of this principle, a number of matters are derived from the oral Torah. This underlies the necessity of the oral Torah, as it is only through studying the oral Torah that we are able to fully and properly understand the written Torah. In the words of Maimonides. The Torah was given together with its interpretation, referring to the oral Torah as the interpretation of the written. The Torah must must have an interpretation, and that's why when other religions read, read the Bible, they don't really get it. Because without the commentary, you cannot understand what's written. Has there been uh, times in history where uh, there, mm-hmm. you know misinterpretations or disagreements? Absolutely, many. There were, there were also times of uh, some Jews, uh, friction of Jewish people who wanted to say, we only go by the, by the written Torah. Well, but what the, the Sadducees, what end up to be, they started to write books. Mm-hmm. Because you, you must have a commentary. It's like I said about it. Uh, whatever you decide um, how to put on the film is a commentary. It's not written. Then why should I take your new commentary if I have a tradition of 3,000 years? But... Uh, but this, yeah, absolutely. Even in the Talmud, legitimate uh, argument about what's the meaning of the verse. Yes, many, many, many. Okay, continue to elaborate. To elaborate, everything is included within the written Torah. As the sages teach, there is nothing that isn't alluded to in the Torah. Alluded to in the Torah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. But this is often included in the form of an illusion. And the function of the oral Torah is to reveal and explain the matters contained within the written Torah. This includes derivation through the principle of don't do it. Then we have a, there is many ways how to learn from there is there's, there is thirteen principles how to learn things from the Torah. But there is also Altikre. Don't read it this way, but read it also the other way. It doesn't mean we we, dis- we dis- discount the original simple meaning. We just add another level. And now we're going to learn a few examples of this concept. Go ahead. So the, the Torah in its entirety was, Moses wrote it down, but it's out of order. Like things in the Torah didn't, it's supposed to be like, like a history and learning from, but yet it, things in the Torah didn't actually happen yet by the time Moses introduced it. Like, was there conflict with the people? I mean, what do you mean? Like, did the people didn't want to listen? That's what no, you mean? No, like, they're telling them to do stuff that hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> no, no, whatever it's in the five books of Moses actually happened. Okay. But, yeah, there is things where, even in the Bible, even the time it happened, it's not written in the regular order of things. In general, yes, but there is exception to the rule that some things are written uh, differently. Uh, Moses write it in one place, before the story that actually happened. What you're talking about within, within the, 
within his frames of time. It's, it's not written about King David in the book, Five Books of Moses. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever it's written in the Five Books of Moses has happened to Moses' times or before him. But even this story, sometimes it's not in the chronological order. Sometimes. Usually yes, but sometimes not. But whatever, happened, whatever it's written in the Torah actually happened. In, when the Jews were fighting, it's written too. <laughs> Everything is there. No, that was, that, that's what uh, that came after. Absolutely. That's why really the 613 commandment is based on the five books of Moses. We don't have commandment from the, from the book of the prophets. Or from the, sometimes we find the hint, again, another way to prove something. But we don't base a law on one of the 613 commandments must be based on the five books of Moses. The Torah that you see in the synagogue. Genesis. Exodus. Exodus. Leviticus. Leviticus. Numbers. Numbers. And Deuteronomy. But didn't the story end in Exodus with Moses? I mean, No, Moses died by the end of Deuteronomy. The last few lines in the book of Deuteronomy is the death of Moses. <laughs> Moses himself wrote the full five books of him. He starts to write the history from the creation of the world and the flood and, and then Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... But then he writes about his story, the Exodus, and then he writes the Jewish laws, and then he writes, he gives speeches to the Jewish people how it's going to look when they are not going to behave, and then he says goodbye. <laughs> that's that's the bottom line. Rabbi, the, the oral law, is that, in our terms, would the closest thing to the original oral law be the Mishnah? Yeah, the Mishnah, that sure. Would, to a point, a little bit, you can say that even the prophets are kind of a commentary to the Bible, to a point. But yeah, the, the Mishnah in the Talmud, that's the whole law. But the Mishnah came starts, long begins, yeah. 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 Basically, the Mishnah, yes. <clears throat> Calling God's name in the world. Abraham called there in the names of the Lord, the God of the world. It's written in the Torah, in the book of uh, it's, uh, in Genesis, I think it's Parshas Lechlecho, or Vayero, one of these two Parshas, that Abraham was going around, called there in this place in the name of the Lord. The God of the world. He announced, he called, he recognized that God is the God of the world. Nice, right? You're sitting in your own basement, you say, God is the God of the world. Oh, Baruch Hashem, Mazel Tov. <laughs> Comes the Talmud and says something different. Says, gives, gives a meaning to this story, to this line. Talmud Sotah 1080, Rachel Akif said, don't read it called, but rather as he caused them to call. Oh, in Hebrew, there is Vaikro. Vaikro means he called. And he says, don't read all in Vayikro. Vayakri, the same word, it's just a matter of putting of different vowels. It's a different vowel. Under the reish, instead of a, instead of a kamatz, it's a, it's a chirik, you understand? Instead of a a, it's a e. If you look on the Hebrew side, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The second line. Vayikro and Vayakri. It's just a... If you, the U doesn't belong there. You just put a E. If you read the same, I told you, in the Bible there is no vowels, right? It's tradition to teach us how to read it. We don't say it's not the right thing, but we just say if you just read it with an E instead of an O, so it's a whole different there's, meaning. There's a dozens, if not more, 
in, in, the, in the Torah, when you're trying to study it and read it, it says, say it, read it this way, but it's written a different way. You're right. That's, is, is that's that the what, same thing? That's not, that we don't, no, there is various, you read it completely different than it's written. That's a different level. Huh. This is, we don't say, when you read from, when I read from the Torah, I don't say Vayakri, I say Vayikro. But it's also a, a second meaning, a deeper layer, Vayakri. What means Vayakri? Go ahead, continue. Meaning Abraham caused God's name to be on the lips of all passers-by. He made them to read, to say that God's name. He didn't sit in the basement and said, God is a great God. He went around all over town and he taught other people how to, how, that there is a God. But you only know that from the oral, the oral teaching. Yeah, but we know it from what he actually did. We know it from the story. But where we find it in the text, so to speak, yeah. we find it in the word Vayakri. We want to, the, the Talmud wants to teach us, Rishonchi wants to say there is much more Abraham, how Abraham became Abraham. Not because he called, he went around in his own houses, God, you're such a great God. He went and he educated the world that there is a great God. That's actually what Abraham did. But even in this world, you can find it. That's what, the, what it is. You understand what I'm saying to you? Continue. How did he accomplish this? After he wined and dined them, he rose to bless, to bless him. To bless God. Yeah. He asked them, did you eat my food? Mm. He waited the food of the God of the universe. Praise him and, place, and bless him. He who watered and the world came into that means to say how he did it. The famous story that Abraham was making a tent. It's only in, that in this world because it's written in other places that he made a tent and he fed people. Then he, by, by feeding them, only then they were able to encourage them to believe in God, to, to thank God. That was Abraham's business. It's actually in the Rebbe, in his first talk, as he became Rebbe, he quotes this Medrash and he says, you cannot enjoy the reading in the, the Calling in the name of God if you don't make other people call in the name of God. Mm. You understand? Okay, he says that in Yiddish, the Yiddish, you cannot enjoy your own Judaism if you don't make other people connect to Judaism. You hear? So, quick question. So, why wasn't it written that way? If it was intended that way, why wasn't it written that way? Why was it written because so Abraham was like doing it for himself instead of doing it from the Bible, wasn't it I, I would never jump. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell it's part you. of your oral history. Exactly. <laughs> what would I would do? If you know everything. <laughs> tell me, when you say sometimes you want to tell something to your children, you don't, you, your father tells you something when you were 10 years old. And four years later you say, now I understand what he was talking about. You understand? That's you, you, not, there is a way of, of saying things, huh? It's a ha moment, you know? I told my son, and many of I told him, I told him, you know, if you learn with Terry people, the Chabad Rabbi, I tell him, you tell Terry people at once, you'll be good. You'll be taken care of. He tells me, the other day, he says to me, now I understand what you said. He's eight years already doing it, and now he started to understand. There is things that people are not ready to get. The, after they learn the regular story of Abraham, and after they get, they will tell you nowhere there is something more to it. That's what a human, be- human being is all about, is to figure things out. When you write everything on your face, you, you become, people become completely brain-dead. They don't think. It's all about, and when you, it's your own discovery, it's much deeper, it's much more. It's yours, you own it. Now, huh? You say, exactly, the aha moment, exactly. 
about the, the words, and I know this is in English, but the, I'm stuck on the word praise him, or the phrase praise him. I think what it means is we're, we're, we're praising God. God to others, right? We're, we're not, God doesn't need praise, right? He doesn't need us to show him that, right. you know, he's... We he's, need it. We need it. Okay. Right. That, we need it. We need it because if we forget about God, we become animals. We become terrorists. We forget about the, 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 that's yeah, what, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely. That, I, I read those words and I see them in, in the services too. And I yes, a lot. Yes, we need to remind ourselves that there is a God and everything that comes from us is from God. Our yeah, He doesn't need that, but He's doing us a favor that He teaches us how to praise Him because it's good for us. But he, he, the moment he created this world and he needs us to praise him, he, made, he put himself in a level that he needs the praises. And because we praise him, that's why we get, we get the blessings from him. But for example, what you say is true. For example, Kaddish. Many people tell me, oh, I say Kaddish for my father. And I was, you know, I came to him to Klesona and I people, oh, I say every day. Hmm. I was so impressed. You. I told him, you go to services every day? He tells me, no, I do it at home. Hmm. I do it at home. Kaddish can only say in a minion because the, what's Kaddish? Kaddish is praising God. Praise God to yourself doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. You have to do it praising, glorifying God in public. That's what it's all about. Saying Kaddish for yourself doesn't mean anything. I wonder how many people know that. Which I do. That's why, uh, awesome. that's why I need you for, for being a rabbi too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? That, I've always wondered this. Why do we say Kaddish so many busy. times during the... Because by us glorifying God's name um, is a way to elevate the soul. And I am motivated to glorify God's name. But as I say, even a person died, I still glorify God. I see see him at the end of God. God knows when a person should come, when a person should go. It's all the end of God. So Kaddish isn't just over a person who has passed away. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's also... But it's not written anything about that in the Kaddish. Not a word. I never that. Yeah, okay. no, yeah, it's all praising God. It's all, it's all about praising God. It's written in the Torah, What does this mean? You should go to the matzah. You know, when we bake matzah, we are very careful. It shouldn't be any water falling on it. You have to guard the matzahs. It will be very, that's why we do it so fast. And the whole idea of matzahs, and so one of the most stressful jobs that people get all worked up about that, the matzah should be protected. And it's true. If there is a, a water leak around the matzah, it's over. Then comes the Talmud, Miyako Chimoni, it's written on Zodan Rashi, go ahead. Rabbi Yoshia said, don't read it, guard it and guard the matzah. But rather than guard the mitzvot. Mitzvot! Matzah and mitzvot is the same spelling. You can add a vav if you want to, but in essence, it's, you don't even have to. Again, it's me, you can read it. If somebody would never read a verse, you give a child, tell them, read the word. He can read it mit matzos. He can, he can almost read it mitzvahs too. Then you said, God, God, then what he says, it's not only God the matzos, God the mitzvahs. What means God the mitzvahs? Continue. Just as we don't allow matzah to sit long enough to begin to rise, so too do we must Seize every mitzvah opportunity immediately. Just like the matzah, you know, when you bake the, the dough, you have to walk on it. Because if you leave it alone, it, be, it rises and becomes chomet. 
you have to catch it right away. Then Rabbi Yoshia says, the same thing with a mitzvah. Somebody gives you a mitzvah, grab it. Because if not, it becomes chometz. You lose it, basically. And Rabbi Yoshia wanted, he took the same verse, shmartem, guard the matzahs, and says, no, no, it's much more than that. Guard the mitzvahs. A Jew should jump on the mitzvah. There is a whole discussion, for example, about a breeze. Should you do, a breeze, you do it by the day, right? Should you do it in the morning? Well, according well, there to is, this, you should do it right away. Ah, exactly. Because, in, uh, because it's written, you should do it. Grab the mitzvah as early as possible. Oh, but you, if you're going to do it in the afternoon, there'll be a much bigger crowd, you sanctify God's name. Mm. Then the, the answer is, if you have a bigger crowd, you should have it do it in the afternoon. But in essence, in the, that's why in the religious world, a breeze is done in the morning because of this. Such an important mitzvah, do it as early as possible because of the grabbing the mitzvah. In my case, most of my, the priests of my kids were in the afternoon because I wanted to, because they were in the afternoon and that day is very much more. So what's Some, more important than doing it early or having more people? And the answer is having more people. Having more people. Because it's not enough to read God's name. You have to make other people yeah. to read God's name. So you remember what you learned? Of Abraham. Exactly, exactly. Because reading your God's name in you by yourself in the basement doesn't do much. Read, read source number eight. Source number eight, fortune is the man who will do this and the person who will hold fast to it. He who keeps Shabbat from the profaning it and guard his hand from doing any evil. This is from the prophets, from the book of Isaiah. It says, fortune is the man who is going to do it and the, and the, and the person that's the same thing will hold fast to it, to what? And then he says, he who keeps the Shabbos from profaning it, right? Shomer Shabbat mechalelo. Chilul Shabbat is violating the Shabbat. Shomer Shabbos, right? You know, Shomer Shabbat. Shomer Shabbos. Let's read in Hebrew the second line, Shomer Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Somebody who guards the Shabbos mechalelo from, from violating it. Rabbi Chia bar said, <coughs> the name of Rabbi Yochanan, one who observed the Shabbat properly, even if they worship idols, forgiven. Even if worship is forgiven. What? Is ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You never know the secrets. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, we don't encourage people to, to worship idols. Don't get me wrong. It wants to say that a person who observes the Shabbat, we forgive, they, they, God forgives them for everything. How we learn that from a verse? Go ahead, continue. Uh, the verse says, fortunately, is the man who will do this is from profaning it. Don't read the profaning it, meaning mechalo. Mechalelo. Mechalelo. But read it. Given. Machul lo. They took the word mechalelo and cut it in a half. Mechalelo. Mechalelo. No, Capernon, right? Mechalelo. Mechalelo. Forgiven for him. The same word, yeah, the same exp- there's the same word in Hebrew, yes. So can we have like interpretation of this? Because basically, if someone goes out and worship idols, worships idols, any kind of idol, whatever, and then keeps Keep Shabbat, Shabbat, and then goes out and worships idols, and then keeps Shabbat, like... No, 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 no. So <laughs> God, a person did it, and then... Then regret it maybe, and say they can keep Shabbat. That's a thing. But maybe even according to Rabbi Chia, for according to Rabbi Yochanan, yes, if he keeps Shabbat, there is mitzvahs. You can do more mitzvahs to atone for your sins. For example, if you give charity, 
most of your sins can be atoned. And for the right price, everything will work. This is not a joke. It's serious business. I'm serious. Yeah, there is all, there is a, there is a, there is a, a, a price for everything. No, there is, you know, there is, a, a, there is in, in the Tanya, there is written um, that for certain sins, there is a certain amount of fast days. For this sin, 365 fast days. For this, 200. And some people in the olden days used to fast a lot of days to attend those sins. Then it's written, what, do you, what, what, do you, what if you cannot fast, you're not? Who can fast so many days? He said you, cannot, you can redeem it with charity. Then the teachers used to stop and say, what if you're not strong enough to fast? And you're not rich enough to pay to give so much charity. Then the rabbi used to pay a pause. And our teacher used to say, if you cannot afford it, don't sin. Don't sin. You have to be able to afford it. If you can afford it, you're strong enough or you're rich enough, fine. If not, don't sin. Just refrain of sinning. This is was only examples of what we, we're coming into. Go ahead. The application of Don Rebbe principle doesn't negate the simple meaning of the word. It only adds an additional meaning. The simple meaning of the written Torah and don't read it, reading of the oral Torah one or one Torah. They become one Torah. We don't say you shouldn't read it in the literal sense. You see it, also read it in a second level, on a deeper level. Continue, beginning and end. Beginning and end. We find the principle of don't read it to be more immediately at the beginning of Torah and also right at the end of the forest. The beginning is wedged into the end, and the end is wedged into the What's wedged? <coughs> like shoved in. Yeah. Judaism believes that the Torah, the beginning and the end, have the same connection, have an unbelievable connection, and it's all connected. Beginning and end are basically come together. And the Rebbe was very big on it to prove that the beginning and the end are connected. We have, Continue. we have discussed a number of times that the beginning and the end of Torah encapsulate the entire Torah. Yeah, the beginning and end encapsulate the whole Torah. In here we see it in a very amazing way how the Bible, the first letter of the Bible and the last letter of the Bible say everything. Continue. This is alluded to by the first letter of the Torah being a bet. Bereshit starts with a bet, right? Yeah. And the final letter is Alamed. Yeah. Israel. The, the last word, the first word in the Torah is Bereshit. The last word in the Torah is Israel. The la- first letter and the last letter, it's a bet and a lamed. Continue. Which together from the word left. Forms the word, the word left out. Lamed bet, if you. Lamed and bet is the word left. It's a heart. Continue. This alludes to the heart of the Jewish people, which is a way for God, even when we are slumbering in the cell. Because the Jewish people, because the Jewish people, Torah and God are all one. There is a concept, it's a verse in the, in the book of Song of Songs. Eyes, I'm sleeping, but my heart is beating, is awake. It means to say that the Jewish people, even in exile, even when they are... The heart, the Jewish heart, is always awake. You saw it now in October 7. America raised, after October 7, for Israel, for the war in Israel, a billion dollars. A billion dollars, American Jews. 
tzaddik, it's like unbelievable. From Jews, I heard from people who, who raised the money, they said Jews who never gave for the Federation, who gave for anything, gave big money for this thing. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? Because it's, it's so important, the Jewish soul, the Jewish heart woke up. It's a crisis. That's what he says, that the lev, the word lev, that the beginning and the end of the Torah, stands of the word lev, brought out the whole heart of the Jewish people. If, is referring to the heart of the Jews. The whole Torah is about the Jews, like we spoke about that before. And this is what it's all about. And you see how, the, how every letter, the, the connections continue. The same thing in the... Huh? But it's backwards. You're right, it's backwards. You know, that's Where one of... You're right. <coughs> well, we can, we can, we can put it... Like no, it's not to make it, because it's one of the ways of learning the Torah is also this way that you rephrase it, and you can find the meaning to it. Absolutely, because the Torah is written by God. It's given by God. It's unlimited. There is so many levels to learn it. And that's one of the levels. For example, Shema Israel. The ayin, the ayin of the Shema is a large letter in the Bible. The Dalet of the Word Echad is also a large letter in the Bible. Together, you put Ayin Dalet is Ed. Ed means... Witness of we are witnesses of God. If you if you flip it, it's da. Da means no. You have to know God. It's not enough to believe in God. It's to know God. We do it everywhere. That's a part of the way of learning Torah. Since the principle of don't read it is a basic tool of Torah, I don't know this word. Uh, Exodus. We find it employed. And we do it in the beginning and in the end. We find this idea that we read the word Bereshit also in a different, in a deeper meaning, and we read the word Israel also in a deeper meaning. Go ahead. Bereshit on the very first part of the Torah, Bereshit in the beginning, the sages expound, don't read it Bereshit, but as Bereshit created the cavity. Bereshit, it's it's word Bereshit. You divide the world, it's bara, shit. We don't even have to change anything. We just read it as two words. What she is, she is, even shitia, it's a foundation. That's what it means. Cavity is a foundation? Cavity is more of a hole. Yeah, cavity is a hole. There is two meanings to it in a, in a minute. Yeah, there is a hole and there is a, a foundation. There's too many. Exegesis. Exe- I got yeah, it. It's like uh, explanatory. Critical text. explanation or interpretation of a text, especially yeah. of scripture. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. continue. Source 9, Talmud, Sukkah 49a. Rabbi Barbar Khanna said, In the name of Rabbi Yochanan, the Shitim were created during the six days of creation. The school of Rabbi Yishmael taught, Don't read it bare sheet, but read it bara sheet. What does this mean? What does this mean? They were in the, the altar in the temple, used to put, there were two holes, used to bring water to the altar every day. Used to pour it there, and uh, I mean, I'm sorry, bring wine. And the wine is to go down all the way to the cavities, all the way to the as deep as possible to the to the water of under, what's underneath. Then the Talmud says these tunnels, these uh, pipes, if you want, these holes, these cavities were created in, in the six days of creation. That's one meaning. Mm-hmm. And that he says. And God created this, these cavities in the beginning, right in the beginning. It means to say, what the Talmud wants to say, that the altar 
The temple was right, was created in the beginning. That was the first idea of God. It's a temple to him, and people should serve him at the temple. Now, Israel continues. Israel, the Rabbi, on the final word of the Torah, Israel, the Midrash teaches, don't read it Israel, but read it as Ra El God saw. God saw, that's what you learned before. Read it, continue, number 10. Source number 10. Source 10. Tana Debel Eliyahu 27.2 And God found that all 12 tribes fulfilled Jacob's will. They were like grapes found in the desert. Don't read it Israel, but read it Ra'el. God saw, meaning that all their deeds were perfect. Yeah, that's what you learned. Then we have the first word in the Bible is we don't learn it, we don't learn it only literally. We learn that a deeper meaning. We read, we read into it something more. And the last word of the Torah, we read something more. Then if it's, why, what's the rabbi wants to say? If this idea is in the beginning of the Torah and in the end of the Torah, obviously the Torah wants to teach us something throughout. That the beginning and the end is both of them are, that the whole Torah is a deeper level. Don't read it only on the surface. There is much more to it. Don't look over this, don't, don't judge the, the book by its cover. That's what really the message from Al-Tikri. Don't read it, but deeper. Continue. Now you tell us what to do with it. We're ready. We can derive practical lessons for our lives from these don't read it teachings. The don't read it teachings at the beginning of the Torah teaches us a lesson about the start of our divine service. And the don't read it teaching at the end of the Torah teaches us a lesson about the conclusion of our divine service. Exactly. How you should start your life as a Jew or your day, and how you should end up with it. Continue. The foundation of the world. The literal meaning of sheep is foundation. Oh, not only gravity, foundation. As Continue. The sages teach that even the hashtia, the foundation Even a shesiyah. Go ahead. It says what well, it is, the foundational rock. You know that in the Holy of Holies used to be a rock. That that was considered the foundation of the world. Continue. Yeah, it's the foundation of the entire world. This means that the shitin, the cavities under the altar in the temple, are the foundation of the entire world, like the foundation stone. <clears throat> Even Hashitiyah, which was located in the Holy of Holies in the temple. It means the temple is the foundation of the world. That's what it means. And now, okay, continue. A stone was there from the days of the early prophets, and it was called Shatiyah. It was there, it was three handbreadths off the ground. This teaching is congruent with the teaching that the world was created from Jerusalem. As Rabbi Eliezer taught, the world was built from the center. As the verse states, when the dust runs into a mass and the clods cleave fast together. It means to say, according to the Talmud, according to Judaism, the center of the world is the Temple Mount. And everything goes around it. Layers and layers and layers and layers. If it was physical or not physical, it doesn't make a difference. The idea is that the world stands on the altar, on the temple, and the temple is the purpose, and everything is closer you are to the temple, you're a closer layer. The further you are from the temple, you're a further layer. But that's the foundation of the world. Rashi? From Jerusalem. Jerusalem was built first, and clouds of earth massed together around it, creating the world. Very good. Now we'll read it. What's the message? Go ahead. The The meaning of Barashis in our personal divine service is that when we are at the beginning of our life's work and we look at the external appearance of the You see, Barashit means the beginning. 
Ons is Bereshit, created the foundation, God created the foundation. When a person is in his Bereshit, in his beginning, in his spiritual journey, go ahead. Uh, he looks look, on the whole world, go ahead. Uh, and we look at the external appearance of the world, the heavens, the earth, and all that they contain. We are told, don't read Bereshit, creation, but Bereshit, created the foundation. We shouldn't make the mistake of thinking that the world was created on its own, because nothing can create itself. We need to understand that Barashit, God created the entire world from its foundation up. When we get into... You the- see, one second, one second, one second. A person goes around, he sees a big world, a beautiful world. Tell them, don't look on the surface. Somebody created it. Look underneath. You know, when you go to Disney World, they have an underneath world there. Mm-hmm. And the underneath world is really the one who makes the world, you know about it? It makes the whole world, it makes the whole machine working. Don't look on the outside. There is a creator who makes the sunrise and the sunset. There's a creator who, who operates the world. Barashit, look, it's, don't see Barashit, that's the beginning. The beginning is a beginner. Somebody did it. There is a foundation to this Barashit in your own personal spiritual life. That's the difference between Jews and non-Jews. Even shouldn't make the mistake of thinking that the world was created on its own. You're right. I mean, that's the, you know, God created the world or the world was some, somehow yeah, some kind of... Yeah, or yeah. some big some bang, big bang yeah. or happened by big itself. Yeah. Everything happened by itself by mistake. You know, you don't make... Even a cake cannot be made by mistake. Well, it was a big bang. God made it. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. When we get into the details, we learn that the foundations of the world are located under the altar and under the Holy of Holies. Yeah, this is, it's under the altar, under the holy It's in the underneath world that you don't see. That's where it's the foundation. Go ahead, you want to continue? Phil. Seeing yeah. Godliness. After beginning, we continue learning until we reach the ultimate state of perfection in Torah study, a wonderful unparalleled union with the giver of the Torah. The ultimate form of union is when the union is tangible, tangibly visible not just something known from hearing about it. This is what the don't read it at the end of the Torah. Don't read Israel, but Ezra El. He says like this. This is in the beginning of your spiritual journey. By the end of your spiritual journey, it shouldn't be something that you heard from your teacher, that there is a God and this. You should be so aware of it, like you see it. You know, people tell you, they won't give you, you see what I'm saying? What means you see what I'm saying? I don't see what you're saying. I only hear what you're saying. What means you see what I'm saying? It's so clear, like you see it. When you, when, I, when, you, when you tell somebody not to make a mistake, you tell them, you know, many kids start to take drugs, God forbid. And you know enough people who did it and will end up. And you tell them, I'm telling you, to you it's not just something that you heard or you, you experienced it. You say to Say, I'm telling you something that I see where it's going. I see where, I see where you're going to end up with this. That same thing is Jude, in Judaism. You start with a belief in God. But then it has to come to such a knowledge, such a, an awareness of God, like you see it. And that's, that's really the journey of life. You know, there's the famous story of Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakkai. He... Before he died, Rabbi Yochanan Mazakai was 120 years old, the greatest rabbi in the time of the destruction of the Second Temple. There is many things that we do today based on Rabbi Yochanan Mazakai. 
Before he died, his students came around him and told him, Rebbe, tell us something profound, like something real, before you say goodbye, you know. He told him, oh, may God bless you that you should be afraid of God as much as you're afraid of other people. They were a little insulted. They were, if he was under the 20, they were 97, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. After you tell them, tell you should be afraid of, other, of God as much as you're afraid of him. I'm much more than that. He told them, a person, before he's doing something wrong, he makes sure he looks around, nobody sees. What he really wanted to say? He tell a man of United years old that may be afraid of God. He wanted to say, I want you that the awareness of God should be to you like somebody is sitting next to you. Somebody is sitting next to you. Forget about doing wrong or not wrong. You just eat like a man. You, you sit like a man. You behave like a man. Because somebody is there. If we would have feel the awareness of God, that God is next to us, we, we, we wouldn't be so worried. We wouldn't be so stressed. God is here. Why are, are you getting all worked up? God is sitting like this to you. Then the journey, that's called knowing God. There is seeing God. There is knowing God. There is saying God. I, I mentioned that many times. There was a, the, the Rebbe of Bardichev. When he was a 16-year-old boy, he wanted to go to learn Hasidic, Hasidic, Hasidic teaching from the Maggid of Mezrich. He was married, and, he was, and his father-in-law gave him, had to give him permission. You know, he was a little boy living by his father-in-law. You, you don't go anywhere you want. He says, I want to go for three months. To, he says, okay, go. He finally gave him permission. So for three months, he came back. Came back after three months. Tell them, Levi Yitzchak, what you learned? He said, I learned that there is a God. So that you have to go to Bauditra, to Makwezos, and you petzlan to go there to learn that there's a God. Mm-hmm. You couldn't learn. He calls the cleaning lady, he says, she's a Jewish girl, says, what do you see outside? Trees, what do you see outside? Who created it? She said, what do you mean who created God? He looks on the view, talk. said, no. She, oh, she, didn't go to, she didn't go to the market of message. She didn't go to message to learn about this. And he told her, she says, I know. When you start your life, she says, I know. What needs to know? No, you, how many people you really know? You really know. When your wife tells you, now I really know you are, what does this mean? Usually it's not a compliment, right? <laughs> <laughs> Usually, no, it's Usually. never a compliment. <laughs> now I really know who you are. <clears throat> Once Chosid told the previous Rebbe, Rebbe, I know, I knew your father. He looked at him and said, you know my father? You saw my father. Mm-hmm. You see many people. You know your father. You know the Rebbe. You know who he is. You have no clue what you saw. What you saw. Then really, this is the journey from the beginning of the Jabere Sheet. In the beginning, you know that there is, you heard that there God created the world. You understand it. By, by Ra'el, when you come to the end of the Torah, seeing God, not only God saw us, we should see God. It means to say, I should see God. I, Jacob, when he got the name Israel, it's written, he saw God. That's what it's written in the text. Seeing God means, it's, so, it's such an awareness, like you see it in front of your eyes. What do you mean? What, what happened when, when people went to the temple? What was the experience in going to the temple? They used to walk into the temple, they saw miracles. For example, there was the eternal light that we have in the synagogue. It used to be a, fl- a flame of the, for the menorah. It used to burn miraculously without putting oil there. The oil was good enough until the morning. The rest of the day, it used to burn. used to light every night the candles, seven candles. They put the same amount of oil in all seven candles. Six candles burned out. The seven used to burn until the next evening. 
The same thing was in the other, in the other, other miracles. When a person came back from the temple, we told him, who says there is a God? He said, what do you mean? He says, I saw it. I saw miracles. I don't have to explanation. I don't, have proof. I don't need proofs. I saw it. That's the, that's the difference in the beginning and the end. That's what it's all about. If, if, if Rabbi Bar Yachman's students were in the 90s, wouldn't they have known by then that, that what he just told them? No, he told them the weirdness of God, like somebody sitting next to you. That's a, that's a long journey for her. So really? Yeah, sure. Maybe you reached there, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I wish I would. And God is sitting next to me, and I don't have to worry about it. I wouldn't be so bad. I wouldn't worry so much. <laughs> Continue. Where are we supposed to read? On page 10. When we reach the ultimate perfection in our divine service, we aren't just on the level of Yisrael, which is a composite of the words Sarita El, successfully grappling with God. We go further and reach God, and reach God's self, which can also be understood as saw God, a tangible vision of God. Exactly. Go ahead. After beginning, we continue learning until we reach the ultimate state of perfection in Torah study. A wonderful, unparalleled union with the giver of the Torah. The ultimate form of union is when the union is tangibly visible, not just something known from the hearing about it. This is what the don't read it at the end of Torah. Don't read it Israel, but is Ra'el, so you saw God. God, you you see God. That's what it's all about. Just as we mentioned before, I didn't even realize that was all connected. Da, we said that the ayin and the dalet of the word Shema of the verse is da to know God. The the journey is from believing in God until to get to know God. That's what it's all about. That's the end of the Torah. Ra'el, God is almost tangible. Almost tangible. You cannot touch God, but it's so real, like it's tangible. Does anyone get to that ultimate perfection in divine service? There is no, there is never a end point, you understand? You always get more and more and more. The awareness of God that you have today is much more than you had 10 years ago and 20 years ago, right? And that's what the whole idea is, to go in this, to, to make it more and more and more. So it's the each journey. person's ultimate perfection. It's each yes. person's e- ultimate Everyone's journey. Yeah. So the journey is from knowing to seeing. <clears throat> from hearing to seeing. Yeah. From Shema to seeing. From hear to see. That's what it's all about. Reuven and Shimon. Reuven is Reia, seeing. Shimon is hearing. It's all about from the Shema, from hearing about God, to see God. To, go ahead. Yeah. After the, yeah, after the story with the angel. <coughs> after the story with the angel, when he saw God, it says, He says, Jacob himself said, I saw God. That's the language in the Bible. That from then becomes, becomes from Jacob. Then, then it becomes Israel that he saw God. Yes, that's one of the meaning. Absolutely. Okay, um, continue. When we reach the ultimate perfection in our divine service, we are just on the level of Israel, which is a composite of the words Sarita El, successfully. Don't you tell me that? Yeah. It's a different one. Oh, okay. Successfully grappling with God, we go further and reach God's thought, which can also be understood as saw God, a tangible vision of Godliness. 
Continue. The ultimate state of perfection is when we see God in the physical world itself. Not only do we perceive the spiritual foundation of the world, but we see the divinity within it. We see, we see every day, everything that happens to us is God. The Bereshit means, yeah, God created the world. Very nice. Shkoyach. But there is every move that you make, you see God. But we are not a person who says, oh, it just happened to be. You know, a baby, can you bring a child to, to an event and he throws a tent potential? And other people say, what a spoiled boy. And the mother says, he's hungry, he's tired. That's how you look at it. When you see what happens to you, and you see, look, what God, what miracles there is in this, this world. There is so, with all the souls, there is unbelievable miracles happening every minute. Depend, depends how you look of it. And it just happened to be, I was lucky enough, I was in the right place. You were lucky enough. Somebody made you lucky enough. You put you in the right place and saved you a second before. That's why there is such a spiritual awakening in Israel, because there is so many miracles taking place. Okay. Um, the Rebbe. Don't rush to judge, to read education. The concept of don't read it has a special lesson to teach us regarding education. True guidance in education requires explaining to children that even though they want a particular item because it is shining attractive, or they want to play because they think this will bring them true pleasure, don't read it. Don't be fooled by appearances. It may appear beautiful and sweet externally, but in reality it leads to the very opposite. When we show children something in the world, we need to explain to them that even if it appears to us externally to be good or bad, don't read it. It's possible that parents are deceptive and it's really the opposite. The attitude towards it, embracing it, rejecting it, need to be dictated by its truth. Now the Rebbe takes it to a deeper level. In the literal sense, don't read it this way, read it, it's deeper. It looks good, it looks attractive, it looks exciting, but it's terrible. And therefore, we teach a child, look always a little deeper. Dig a little <clears throat> deeper. Don't get all excited in the first moment. Everybody says it's so beautiful. Everybody's doing it. Don't get excited. Don't, be, don't let the world fool you. Mislead you. Frank, Frankel has one of those quotes. It was like it's uh, optimal in the short term is rarely optimal in the long term. Again, again, again. Optimal in the short term is rarely optimal in the long term. Exactly. Very good. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, didn't, I don't remember that, but yes, very nice. Continue. Source 12, Proverbs 8, 33 and 4. For the lips of a woman, a strange woman, drips honey, and her palate is smoother than oil, but her end is as bitter as a warm wood. Continue. One must be very, very, very vigilant in resisting temptation for the Harlot words are sweet as honey and smoother than oil. Her end, the result of the falling for the temptation, is as bitter as a wormwood. Basically, before you do a scene, it looks very exciting. After that, it's very bitter. Don't get involved. Be careful. It looks on the outside beautiful. The inside is terrible. When we begin to educate Jewish children and explain to them that Hashem chose us from the amongst all nations, all the nations, to be His special people. And Hashem calls us a wise and understanding people. As a result, we are supposed to conduct ourselves differently than everyone else. Your people will be distinguished from every other nation on the face of the earth. This 
doesn't apply to our study of Torah, prayer, and other religious affairs. That goes without saying, rather than we, even when we are engaging in a worldly matter, eating, sleeping, and alive, our conduct needs to be distinct and we need to be recognizable as belonging to a wise and understanding people. As Maimonides writes, a wise person is recognizable from how they eat and drink. He says, well, a person has to learn to teach a child, don't read it. Don't read that on the surface. Everything has to be different. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're living. Everything has to be a little deeper, a little more meaningful. You have to see God there. Not just to get excited about the rest of the world is doing it. They wear it, they go to this party, they do this. What they do doesn't make a difference. Continue. This is the lesson of don't read it. When it comes to the word where it is, approach as Jews can be the same as the way uh, as the way non-Jews typically approach them. Don't read it. Our conduct in worldly affairs must express, must express. Your people will be distinguished from every other nation on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. For example, when a Jewish child walks down the street and sees a snake or uh, snack or drink, they can't just eat it immediately. They must first check whether this food is kosher and permitted consumption for the Jew. Don't read it. This way, things appear externally, but rather as they are defined in the God. Code of Jewish law. He says, don't read it. And you say, it's a very nice candy. One, one, one second, one second. Is it kosher? Look a little deeper. Is it for you? Is it healthy? Is it the right thing for you? From a spiritual point. Continue. This is the foundational principle of education for Jewish boys and girls. When children are educated in the path, the entire home uh, on the path, in this path, the entire home acts accordingly, and all of the conduct in the home reflects God will uh, bless you in all that you do. Yeah. Read the story. Please. Okay. Story. Four couples <coughs> with the Seder night. One Arab Pesach in the afternoon, a man asked Rabbi Yosef Bear Soloveitchik of Brisk, Poland, whether it is permissible to use four cups of milk instead of wine at the Seder. The rabbi told him that he had asked a difficult question and that Tom did not, Tom did not permit him to look into it immediately. The time, the time did not permit it. Time, sorry. Go ahead. Old eyes. He then gave him 100 rubles and wished him a happy Yom Tov. The rabbi's wife, who observed this, asked, why did you give him so much money? Couldn't he buy wine for much less than that? The rabbi explained, if he considered using milk, obviously he also does not have meat for the festival festive meal, and perhaps he is missing many other things also. Therefore, I gave him enough money to ensure that he and his family will have all their needs. You know, well, I'll tell you what happened there. The guy walked into the rabbi, he sold the chomets. You know, you can sell the chomets by the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, can I use, for the four cups of wine, can I use milk? The rabbi was thinking for a moment, this guy is having milk. You can only drink milk if you don't have meat, right? You cannot eat milk and meat together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he does not have meat for Pesach. And wine, bechal, the meat of four, drinks, four cups of wine is the most funda- fundamental thing of the Seder. If he doesn't have wine, he probably doesn't have matzah, and he doesn't have meat, he doesn't have anything. That instead of telling him, oh, well, he didn't want to embarrass him, he tells him, you know, it's such a complicated question. 
I don't have time now, Erev Pesach, I'm so busy to look into all the books and figure this out. Here is under turbo. Go buy wine and everything you need, and after Pesach, we walk this out. He understood from the question, not what is on the surface. He understood what's beyond the surface. And somebody is asking you a question. You have to listen to what people say a story. You have to listen to what's going on. When, you have a, when your child is telling you something, listen to what really is going on, behind what he says, what he doesn't say. And that's what the Altikri is all about. Don't read it on the surface. Dig a little deeper. Thank you. Thank you.